We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I feel like you're always on. What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast, the three and O Packers edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I am Steve Furrich, joined by Sarah Kelleher and Dusty Ely. What is going on, boys and girls? Three and O feels great. Feels so freaking great. I'm just pumped. Second, yeah, it, it was uh, it was an exciting game. They couldn't tackle Alvin Kamara to save their lives, but uh, it all ended up really well. Like uh, the offense was still clicking and doing a lot of good stuff. And you know, I feel like the last last year it would have been that the if the Packers were given the ball in that situation, they needed to go get a touchdown to go solidify the game. They would have came away with a field goal. But this now, now they're really they're humming, they're moving, they're doing what they need to do, and they're they're when they need to put their, uh, you know, their foot to the the pedal to the metal, all gas, no effing brake. Like they can actually really do it. So it was a that to me that was one of the most exciting parts of the game. Um, besides that, what else going on, Dusty? You got a new puppy? What's uh, how, how's life with the new dog? <laughs> it's going well, man. You know she's a little barky. Little barky as puppies are, but uh, remarkably soft. Like it's like her fur is made out of feathers. It's the softest dog Ooh. I have ever pet in my entire life. Uh, so yeah, she's uh, she's adorable. We just got her yesterday. Her name's Rosie. Um, my kids are 
my kids are simultaneously like terrified and fascinated and in love with her. So it's it's been a it's been a fun little transition. But yeah, it's great. Uh that's very cool. Very cool. Uh, all right, let's see. News and notes from the NFL. We have our first potential COVID outbreak. Tennessee Titans have had three positive uh, test results from players and five positive results from personnel. So early rumblings, at least at this point, is that their game may be postponed. It's the Titans-Steelers that's scheduled for Sunday. Uh, one contingency plan from, per Adam Schefter is that uh, to allow for some additional testing and contact tracing that they would move the game to Monday night. So it looks like it would be potentially a double header for Monday night football because obviously Packers are playing the Falcons on Monday night and now potentially there could be a second game. So everybody has uh, kind of holding their breath to see when that'll happen because if we get the, if the Packers get the late game, then Sarah is screwed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm screwed, but I also have the day off the next day. I had vacation oh, time okay. left to use, and so I strategically picked some vacation days after, um, you know, there was a late Packers game. So, you know, if I'm up till 3 a.m. writing the story, it's going to suck, but at least I can sleep in the next day. If I, it, what I heard from that was, if I die, I die, but at least I don't have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Kelleher, the new Kirk Cousins. It's like in the office. If I get COVID, <laughs> I get COVID. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, cross it out. Michael Scott, same thing is happening here. Uh, all right, so Tuesday, that means that Rogers was on the Pat McAfee show. I know both of you guys were able to take a listen to some of the clips. Um, Sarah, you want to break down your favorite part of it, and then Dusty, one other one after that? Sure. Yeah, something that just made me laugh was in pretty much what they opened up the conversation with um, was about just how Aaron Rodgers is a beast uh, with the hard count and how it's basically a cheat code for the Packers. And, you know, Pat McAfee literally asked him, and I think AJ Hawk might have asked um, him a question about this too. And they just said like, do you think that the NFL is eventually going to change their rules because you're just too good at this? Like this isn't fair, especially when there's no fans in the stadium, you're still clowning the other team um and he you know he was he very professional about it he chuckled but he said like you know i can't really you know it's a competitive advantage so i can't really share a lot about what we do (laughs) and you know how the center knows to snap the ball and you know when not to snap the ball so he he was a little you know tight-lipped about it but it would still made me laugh just you know, how he sees these things as just another aspect of his game, but we all think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, another thing was that he was very complimentary of um, LaFleur's play calling, especially, you know, down the final stretch. Like you were talking about, Steve, you know, it seems like in the past it would be like, oh, they can't get in field goal range or, oh, they could only get a field goal. And now it's like, nope, we're just going to march right down the field and then have a tremendous um, play call there where Tanyan kind of rippled out to the outside and was just freaking wide open. Um, so that was really cool to see. And he said, um, you know, quote, I really did like the change up in the flow of the game that Matt called. And I know um, at his post game media availability, he, you know, said the plays were beautiful and he loved the play calling at the end. And I know, I think that's just kind of like a FU to the uh, Aaron Rodgers haters <laughs> that want to say he's, you know, he doesn't have a good relationship with his coaching staff because clearly, you know, there's something there and I think they're building something really special. 
Yeah, and my thing has nothing to do with football at all. He's told this story before, but I always like hearing it. Um, he mentioned uh, that you know his his UFO encounter that he had. And I'm blanking on exactly when he had it, uh, but it's uh, the the fun thing. What I really love about this is I've heard this story two to three times now, and the details have always stayed exactly the same, um, which is which is fun. You know, a lot of times if someone's making something up, usually you get some little inconsistencies, or as it goes on, it gets embellished a little more. Uh, but every time he's told, it, it's been the exact same. So um, as a fellow. Um, fellow believer in aliens i like hearing that uh from him but it's you know he was in new jersey with uh i think steve levy was a former college teammate of his and they saw you know kind of a strange orange light and it kind of was dodging in a way that clearly you know something would not actually move and then uh, right afterwards it was uh fighter jets came by uh so it's you know he kind of told that story and he's he's joked a lot about his love of the show ancient aliens because that show is ridiculous but uh i do like that this is a story he's kind of held close to him that he's told a few times and it's it's always been the same so uh i i enjoyed that and i guess the one other thing and i've i have no major beef with uh pro football focus but at some point pro football focus <laughs> came up in conversation and the face he made uh it was a it was a roll your eyes and kind of like a half scoff and uh, Pat McAfee said something like, he's like, dude, they, they name me like punter of the decade. You can't say anything. He's like, I didn't say anything. All I said was pro football focus. Um, but just the, the utter disdain in his eyes and in his voice, which seems common among a lot of players, uh, I found comical. Uh, it was a good bit of comedic timing on his part. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, as always, a, a, a fun appearance for him on that. I love seeing Sarah mentioned it last week, but his personality really comes out there. His sense of humor really comes out there. So, uh, I've, I've been enjoying these, uh, these, uh, Tuesday sessions of these, of his. I normally get to listen like the next day when, uh, catch, catch some more highlights than that. But I mean, I saw some screenshots and I am digging the fact that he is wearing a t-shirt that has himself on it. That says dropping dimes and suck it signs. Um. He's got the degeneration X. So it so it actually came up last week. One of the guys in the in McAfee studio is wearing one of those. And Rogers basically said, I need one of those shirts. And McAfee was like, Okay, we'll ship one to you. Uh, and then he was wearing it this week. So yeah, I love that it came up last week and then I love that it uh, that he was he was wearing it proudly this week. That was really fun. And if you if you are looking to get it, you can go to viralstyle.com. I just pulled it up, so uh, definitely check it out. Go well with your uh, Aaron Jones waving t-shirt. <laughs> Seriously. Well, then there was the whole thing where there was a Kent Murphy um, mm, mm-hmm. audible, and uh, Rogers allegedly DM'd him basically saying, like, uh, keep rip- ripping dingers and don't ever bunt, and it just was absolutely hilarious. Well, and he, I think he actually DM'd him to apologize because that was uh, a sack. Like he called, he had that uh, that audible in there, or he had that language in there, and then he got sacked. And so I think he actually DM'd yeah. to like apologize for running a play yeah, that lost yards. <laughs> My apologies for the loss of yards on the play, which is an ode to your greatness and wisdom. Won't <laughs> happen again. Keep ripping dingers and don't ever effing butt. <laughs> Real solid. I just this is a new Aaron Rodgers. I, I and I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Packers are victorious over the Saints. Um, I think we can all say if you know, no Michael Thomas, no Devontae Adams. Uh, it was a little bit that that was a little bit of a letdown, but still going down to New Orleans, being able to pull the victory. I think it. A, a big factor is not having the fans there. I think that was that that loomed large for for uh, Saints fans and everything like that. But 
what was a big takeaway for you? I mean, Sarah, we know you 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 write the big article for for Cheesehead doing a big recap of the game. What was you know what were the fans saying on Twitter? What was the biggest takeaway from the game for you? For me, it was just the usage of the tight ends. Um, that was something that you know was really interesting to watch, and it's something that you know we've heard over and over again. Like this is going to happen. This is what happens in you know Lafleur's system, and I think you know with Devontae Adams. Um, every other week, it's really easy to just focus on him. And, you know, he's o- he's always open. He's always doing great things. But, you know, without him this week, they really had to lean on other guys and they use the tight ends a lot more. Um, you know, Tanyan and Sternberger and even Mercedes Lewis got in there and they, they combined for, I think it was like 160 yards or something like that. And, you know, there was two touchdowns for tight ends. So I was really impressed um, with what they were able to do. And, you know, you have to consider that, you know, DeGuara wasn't even um, active um, against the Saints and Plains, so I can't even imagine, you know, if all of them were in there, what they'd really be able to do. Yeah, and mine, um, actually kind of along those lines as well, and I'm going to talk about a little more when we start looking at the Falcons game, but to me, you know, I've been looking at um, – you know, since last year, I know one of the things on the floor, and he said it himself, was uh, he needs to get better as a play caller. And he was saying that last year, just kind of getting the getting in the flow of the game, figuring out what to call, when to call, um, the game planning aspect, and then the play calling aspect as well. And I like he's really, I mean, I think if you look at week two and then you look at week three, you look at the game plans they went in with, and you look at what they executed and how well they did, it's incredible. Week two against the Lions was a ton of was a ton of mesh, was a ton of crossers, there's a ton of stuff meant to kind of create chaos in the middle, um, kind of kind of beat the beat the predominantly man coverage that the Lions were gonna were trotting out there. And it worked like a dream. Um, they they generally in the LeFleur era they've been running a mesh or at least a variation of the mesh mesh concept at least one time per game. But I don't think I've ever seen it more than three. Uh, I, two weeks ago against the Lions they ran it like four or five or something like that. Like just something that you knew was going to work against a defense you're going to. Well, then this past week against the Saints, I mean, add the loss of Adams, I think maybe played into a little, but not a ton. I don't think they ran mesh a single time. They ran a whole bunch of, of kind of like a deep crosser with a curl under concept. They were looking to kind of exploit something there. Like Sarah said, they ran a lot of stuff with the tight ends. They ran an ungodly amount of play action bootleg. Um, so they ran in, I mean, some of that stuff, like play action bootlegs, a staple of that whole, you know, Shanahan, McVeigh, LaFleur tree. And you get a lot of teams that run outside zone will run that. But they ran it a ton of times to huge success. And so just seeing these two games, the remarkably different game plans, but still being able to put up those points, I mean, that was my big takeaway was, okay, like LaFleur, you 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 knew what we had last year. Then this year was if he can improve on these things, he's improved on those things. Like the game planning and play calling, I think, was on full display over these past couple of weeks. And it's just, it's been amazing to watch. So that's one of my takeaways. I mean, watching watching them beat the Saints was amazing. Watching what LaFleur was able to do with the play calls as the game went on and just the game plan that went in was amazing. I just I legit can't wait to see what he does next. I was... Kind of scared, not scared, but uh, I guess my biggest takeaway from everything was the defense and the missed tackles, like very reminiscent of last year, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Uh, If we would have had an over-under on missed tackles, man, you should have pounded the over on that (laughs) so freaking hard. Uh, But that was not what our over-under prop bet was, but uh, yeah, it was just missed tackle left and right. I mean, Alvin Kamara running through tackles and just, you know, John, you know, playfully jauntily running down the sidelines and going for a 56 yard touchdown. It was, 
a little scary. I mean, you know, you, you want Kenny Clark back. You're missing Kurtzy. There, there's plenty of reasons and excuses you can make, but I mean, it's always next man up. And when the next man up isn't making those plays, making those tackles, it's uh, it's not a fun thing. Like the Packers defense has been doing what they did last year, where they're bending, not breaking, and they'll make a big play when they really, really, really need to. So that's a good thing. But again, sometimes that doesn't go the whole way through. So hopefully Kenny Clark coming back, if Kurt's injury isn't too bad and we get the bye week coming up after that, then hopefully everybody should come back healthy around week, uh, I think that's week six, they'll be back playing again. So fascinating to watch what the Packers defense does. But um, to me, that was one of the bigger takeaways. The prop bet that we did do for uh, the Saints game was over under on dropped passes for Packers receivers, tight ends, running backs, and we had set it at 3.5. And I was the only one to take the over. Sarah and Dusty took the under. And you two are coming out looking good because <laughs> they only had officially one drop, which was uh, a really big change of pace. So one of those things, again, I'm very happy to be on the losing side of that. That's, uh, that's outstanding. So for the season, um, Dusty and I are both sitting at 2-1 and one now. Sarah is finally in the victory column at 1-2. and two. Uh, We'll have another one for the Packers-Falcons game. We'll catch that at the end of our preview. But as we always do, we've got the Packers offense versus whoever they play on defense. And this week, Monday Night Football, the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, some actual news came out before before we even get into the one thing, big thing you guys are looking for. Darquez Denard, their top, um, the Falcons' top cornerback, is actually moving to IR, which just means a defense that has been gashed and depleted already loses a, their top like cornerback playmaker. And I mean. Is Aaron Rodgers pulling a Jameis Winston, like licking his fingers, making a W? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, I, I mean, man, this has got to be so exciting for him in this offense. They, they've got to be pretty jacked about it. But, uh, Dusty, we're going to start with you. Um, what is the one thing you're going to be looking for from the Packers offense versus the Falcons defense? Yeah, just kind of continuing on uh, kind of what I was taking away from the Saints stuff. It's it's but how are they going to attack this team? We've seen something different over the past couple of weeks. So uh, what are they going to do to attack this defense? And, we, and uh, one of the things that we saw this past week, I know early uh, from the Falcons against the Bears, was it seemed like they were kind of kind of taking away some of the mid and deep stuff and squeezing and just giving up a whole bunch of stuff underneath and just banking on or just betting that Trubisky or making Trubisky be accurate the length of the field, doing a whole bunch of, you know, five to seven yard completions, taking what they're giving him, being patient. Uh, and he was Mitchell Trubisky and he was unable to do that. Uh, and so he was just, just not accurate, not patient. Uh, and so that was kind of one of those things. So can can the Packers? What are the Packers going to do? The, the Bears ran a godly amount of just curls, just very short kind of mid curls, and they were missing on some of them, um, and it, they just weren't able to kind of move down the field all that well that way. And so, what are the are the Packers going to look that way? I don't know if the Falcons' defense is going to do that same thing against Aaron Rodgers, but if they do. Um, is that something, are they just going to take kind of what they give them? Are they going to run a whole bunch of shorter stuff, be patient, wait for their shots? They're going to take their shots, but 
how are they going to do that? When are those going to come? And and what concepts specifically are they going to be kind of running to kind of take advantage of some of the underneath stuff? So, uh, and again, based on what uh, the floor has done the past couple of weeks, I think you know he's going to put a lot of thought into the game plan. They're going to uh, they're going to execute. <laughs> from what we've seen very well, no matter what it is. And it's likely going to be somewhat different from what we've seen the past couple of weeks. So that's the big thing for me is what, what are the, how are the Falcons going to play them? And then are the Packers going to alter kind of what they've been doing uh, to, to take advantage of kind of the, some of that short stuff and to just take what they give them until the Falcons get a little impatient and they force something and then they hit them over the top. So uh, that's one of the big things I'm looking for. Yeah. For me, it's got to be the deep ball. That's what I'm going to be keeping my eye out for this week. You know, this game and the matchup itself really kind of reminds me of the lions and you know what happened there there's just an absolutely depleted secondary um you know after a week where aaron Rodgers looked great again um now what's going to happen is Devonte adams back because if he is like oh boy that makes things even worse for the falcons but you know great for us and great for green bay um there you know the Rodgers deep ball, a lot of people, you know, in the offseason, oh, he doesn't, didn't even last season. No, he doesn't step into his throws as much anymore. He's not as accurate, you know, throwing deep. But, you know, last week against the Saints, he had that huge 49-yard pass to Alan Lazard that, you know, could have been a touchdown, but Lazard, you know, was just a little short and, you know, tripped at the very end. Then he had the, you know, 75-yard pass to Lazard for a touchdown to, you know, pretty much open the second half. So the deep ball was there. They were hitting it. He's hit it a couple times with MVS too. And, you know, if the... Falcon secondary is depleted as it is, then I'm absolutely going to keep my eye out for that because that's just, I think, you know, the game plan there. Something else I'm just going to look out for is, you know, what's going to happen in the second half. You know, the Falcons love to fall apart at the end of the game and Green Bay is really good at finishing games out. So that could be really ugly, but hey, I'm okay with it. It'll be pretty for us. Yeah, just I was looking at the Falcons defense, their DVOA ratings, um, football outsiders, which I know you know some people now feels like it's a battleground. If you mentioned advanced analytics, but the Falcons defense is uh, per DVOA twelfth uh, ranked in the first half and twenty third ranked in the second half. And if you just look at points on their based on their three games, the Falcons are outscoring opponents by twenty three points in the first half, and they're being outscored by forty one points in the second half. They're giving up an average of fifteen point three points alone in the fourth quarter alone. Like the nightmare scenario for that team in the second half, um, which this week, I you unironically love to see it. I think uh, biggest thing I'm looking for is continually spreading the ball out. Aaron Rodgers has done a really good job. Devontae Adams in, Devontae Adams out. It doesn't matter. He's getting the ball to different people. Even with Devontae in the first game catching 14 balls, he still had completions to seven different people, including Devontae. Game two, seven different receivers. And game three, without Devontae, he found eight different receivers. So with or without him, I like the way that he's distributing the ball. I like the fact that it's getting out of his hand quickly. And it's not about just trying to find the one guy. He's trying to find the matchup that is going to be wide open. He's trying to find the guy that's going to be open in space and hitting him on time. Like I want to see that continue, and I have no doubt that it's going I have no reason to believe that it's not going to keep continuing, but I want to see that. I want to see him continually use, start to use Sternberger more. I mean, if Deguara's back, like that's just another option. I mean, this team, everybody says they don't have playmakers. Maybe they don't have huge playmakers, but they've got enough talent 
across the offensive uh, play uh, pass catching board that, I mean, they, you can spread the ball out to nine, 10 different people if you need to. So uh, when you have something like that and you don't know who you have to cover, that's a problem for the defense. And especially a defense that gives up uh, 36 points a game like the Falcons do. The 32nd ranked team in giving up points. They give up 36 points uh, per game. We looked this up. Uh, the Packers actually are averaging offensively 37.66 points a game, taking out the safety and the pick six uh, to kind of average that out. So that actually leads us right into our prop bet of the week. The Packers are going to score how many points, Sarah and Dusty? We are going to set the over-under at 37.5. So technically just a hair under what they're averaging right now. And they're going up against the Falcons. So, I mean, even if they score like three points, ten points in the first half, you know they're going to still score like 75 in the second (laughs) half and win the game. But uh, anyway, Sarah, uh, you technically are still low man on the totem pole low person on the totem pole at one and two what are you thinking i'm smashing the over on this i think they're this could get ugly in the best way like i said and i'm smashing the over there's no doubt about it this has all the makings of one that i feel really good about and for somehow ends up being 17 to 13 uh <laughs> but that that being that being said uh I'm feeling so good right now. You could have set the over under at like 51 and a half and I'm taking the over. Like I'm just, I'm hammering the over on this team until they tell me not to. Now I'm not saying they're going to score that many. I'm just feeling really, really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's an ungodly number of points to score week in, week out. But uh, hey man, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's hammer that over. Fun fact, I set the over under at 39.5 and Dusty told me it was too high, but he'd still take the over. Yeah, no, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, proving the point that I cannot do anything right in Dusty's eyes. He has to manipulate Mm -hmm. it slightly to get it where he wants it. But still, this is going to be the first week we all agree on everything is I'm I'm hammering the over. I mean, I think this is a Tim Boyle season game. Uh, (laughs) By the fourth quarter, Tim Boyle is going to be chucking touchdowns to Darius Shepard or something like that. So, um, yeah, definitely taking the over with the the way that this defense is playing, losing Darquez Denard. Ugh, just it's setting up for the Packers. It's it's. I mean, every what Dusty you said, you've seen people saying it's a trap game. It's all these type of things, mm-hmm. but I think this is the type of game that it's a prove it game for the Packers. Of like, look, we're we're the talent. We're the talented team. We're gonna take care of business when we need to take care of business, and that's all we're gonna do. So, uh, I look forward to them uh, drubbing the Falcons, and and uh, it's gonna be gonna be a lot of fun watching the Packers go four and zero into the bye week. Let's see. As always, we've asked for your fan questions. Uh, We got quite a few this week, so unfortunately we're not going to get to everybody. But um, first one we've got uh, from Andy B. What is your favorite kind of birthday cake, and why is it ice cream cake? Um, Well, Andy, I hate to disappoint you. I'll start you off. It is definitely not ice cream cake. That is not my favorite type of cake. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a good uh, ice cream cake, but uh, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to like a, a actual just straight up birthday cake where I like yellow cake, chocolate frosting, and some ice cream. 
very traditional, very easy, very simple, but man, like if it's done right and I, I'm very particular on the amount of frosting. That's where I become a weird weirdo freak is if you put too much frosting and you can like chew the frosting hard pass, I'm out, but give me a thin layer of chocolate frosting on the yellow cake. Yeah, I'm sold. So do you guys have any takes on birthday cakes? Uh, I, I, I don't care too much, but man, I go, I'll go hard for a cookie cake. Cookie cake shows up for my birthday. I will, I will eat that. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> frosting person either like i can do frosting and i definitely like it but like you said steve when it becomes like the whole cake then i'm like no thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly when it's something that needs to be chewed like by itself it's just oh yeah like if i'm you know if like i take a bite and i like grab it with my fork and it's all frosting and there is no cake with it i don't (laughs) i throw it back in the host's face (laughs) <laughs> Whoever gave it to me just goes right back in their face if I get that. Like, you eat it then. Like you give me a real birthday cake. That's right. Send it back. <laughs> Next up, we have Katie Sunderman who wants to know, if the Packers offense had been this good last year, would they have beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game? Dusty, I feel like this is more towards you. I would say nope. Same. Yeah, I I want to be super optimistic, but I mean, it just means they lose by less, or that Garoppolo has to attempt fifteen passes. I mean, <laughs> that it, the Packers' offense could have looked amazing in that game, and that run defense was going to be that run defense regardless. So I I would like to believe it, but nah, it's it's hard to say yes with a straight face. All right, next up, we've got Scottish Packers fan who wants to know, uh, how does the Rodgers hard count actually work? Like, does the center actually know uh, when to snap the ball? So you guys heard a little bit about this on the McAfee show, right? I know, Sarah, you touched on it a little bit. Yeah, and he didn't talk about it a ton on there, about specifically what they get into. But, I mean, offenses in general, you've got – You've got dummy words. You've got you've got different things that mean different things. So if you say you know, blue fifty eight's a big one of Rogers. Blue fifty eight on two, but you know if you if you throw another word in there or something that means that the the first the first one is going to be a dummy. And so you'll you'll have those kind of uh, those dummies kind of built in. So that, I mean that's that's how you keep those defenses kind of off balance a little bit. So they're not like well if he says blue fifty eight on two he's going on two. Well that doesn't necessarily mean that's what that is. You've got dummy hard every team does this it's not just the packers um the one thing he did say and he didn't get into it was that the packers have more uh more cadences than any other team in the league but he did not get into what that means so it's it's hard to say sarah i don't know if you want to talk about anything more from the mcafee thing but there are i mean offenses just have they've got they've got dummy counts in to kind of keep people guessing uh so they're on the same page to some extent but i would not be shocked if the packers kind of have some extra stuff built in specifically for hard count and specifically this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really add um, to it much more than you did just because Rogers wasn't really expanding on the topic, but they definitely have something in place. You know, he said him and LaFleur in the off season had sat down and literally went through every single snap and every single play in their playbook and threw out what didn't work and kept what did and added some things that they thought they could use with their personnel. And I think, 
incorporating a hard count in you know some of their plays is definitely something that they did and that they know that they're able to do so whatever the secret sauce is um we'll never know but it's definitely there uh and then uh right next up we've got sandro who's got two questions for us a good buddy from Germany. I actually got to meet him, which was awesome uh, last last this past season. So he wants to know how much better can the defense be with Kenny Clark? Kenny Clark hopefully back this week. Um, I mean, to me, I would say slightly better. I don't expect like huge gains. I mean, the rush defense still probably will have a huge hole in the side that Kenny Clark is not on. <laughs> uh, so it'll be a little bit better. I don't expect the, the run defense to be crazy better by any means. Uh, but, I mean, he's a talented guy, and he's going to raise things up for everybody. And if Kingsley Kiki can keep doing some things, who the hell knows? I mean, fingers crossed he'll make it a lot better. But to me, it's not going to make uh, not going to make it crazy, crazy better by uh, leaps and bounds. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up Kiki. I was gonna, I was gonna talk about him as well. I mean, if if the Kiki we saw this past week is is hopefully maybe what Kiki is turning into, that'd be helpful. I mean, Kenny Clark, you said it, Steve. Kenny Clark being out there, the defense is better with Kenny Clark out there than without Kenny Clark out there. The defense have to account for him a certain way, but that's not to say that he's going to like make this team suddenly like a top three defense. Like that's just it's not going to happen. So they will be better. Um, and, and I mean, that, and some of those games, I mean, all you need is to be better on the margins, right? Like, you don't need to jump 10 spots. You just need to be slightly better. You need that that second and five, you now is like, a, that's a second and six. That's a second and seven. That makes that next down a little tougher. And so you're just, you're looking to be just a little better. And Kenny Clark certainly does that. They'll be better with him out there. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be um, a, a major, major, major difference where you're like, oh, now they can shut down the run because they yeah. did not do that when Kenny Clark was in earlier. So it's not happening all of a sudden. I think the only thing we'll really notice is that he's out there like, making a big play. Like we might see him make a really great stop and something like that. That's kind of just like, oh, we didn't really see that in the last couple of weeks. But as far as the overall, you know, group and how they're going to perform, you know, like you said, Steve, the run defense is still just going to be awful at times. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes, but you might see flashes of Kenny Clark where you're like, ah, oh, there he is. Glad he's back. Well, and you'll, and you'll see him, you know, taking up some more blockers, which will open up some more rushing lanes for guys. So you'll see likely some more free rushers, probably Petten get a little more creative with some of the defensive stuff he's calling. But yeah, it's not like, oh, now this is a brick wall up front. Like that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, you'll see him rushing the pass. Like, he had six sacks last year. You'll see him get in the backfield to rush the passer, break up some some rushes and stuff like that. So, obviously, like you said, Dusty, way better with him than without him. But, I mean, still, not uh, you're not jumping in the top five by any means. And then uh, the fun question from Sandro. He wants to know what your favorite song after a Packers win is. He's starting with his classic of just bang on the drum all day. Uh, Dusty and I both kind of passed on this saying we don't really listen to a song after the game, but Sarah's got a great story that we all need to hear. So Sarah, tell us about, uh, you and how much your, uh, your new neighbors hate you. (laughs) Okay. So to clarify, I don't have like a designated celebration song after a win this week. I just had to be creative because, you know, it was Sunday night had work the next day, so I just watched the game alone in my apartment. For some reason, when I woke up on Sunday, I was 
out of nowhere very nervous about this game and i thought about it all day and just was like i have to distract myself and then when it finally you know came time for kickoff i was like a nervous wreck and you know i had new neighbors that just moved in um to the apartment right by me and i was like screaming at the tv because i was getting so mad it, this was you know when we were missing not one, but not two, not three, not four, but five tackles on that <laughs> one play. And then at the end, like, I just wanted us to win so bad. And so at the end, I was just ecstatic. I was yelling and I put on, you know, celebrate song, celebrate good times, come on. And was like obnoxiously just before I wrote my game recap, just celebrating. I was sending just super embarrassing Snapchats, but it's fine. They won. Hey, whatever. I'm not embarrassed about it. <laughs> Wait, Snapchat is still a thing? That, I guess. I mean, I really only Snapchat. Okay, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm old. I don't know that stuff anymore. Snap face, is that what uh, Belichick used to call it? Or snap book? Mm, that or... sounds right, yeah. Yeah. I'll add, I'm uh, going to throw one into the hat. I don't have a designated song to play afterwards, but I will say there's been times, if you get uh, the Gaslight Anthems handwritten, if you're driving home from somewhere after watching it and you roll the windows down, that's a really good, like, pump your fist and scream uh, while singing song. So uh, go with go with that one if you're looking for something that really give you that, that extra little pick-me-up after a win. Okay. I have no idea what any of that means, but sure. Oh, Steve, I feel uh, like you'd love the Gaslight Anthem. Okay. They're really good. Is, oh, so that's a band? All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Narrowing this down. <laughs> there you go. There you see you're getting. Yeah, you know, send me one. So I, I, I feel bad now. That I'm thinking about. It. I still haven't listened to the new Taylor Swift album that you Steve. guys told me that I had to listen to. Uh, it's a list though. Like there's, Sarah's got a I'll, list of movies. Apparently, I have a list of songs now. But songs are like four minutes long, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of stuff going on, Dusty. I don't know if you know that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, All right, and then we will round it out, I think. Let me double check. Yep, this should be the last question. This one is from Matt Tolufson, who wants to know the biggest surprise so far from the Packers and your biggest disappointment. Uh, So, Sarah, let's start with you. Yeah, I'll start with my biggest disappointment. Honestly, it's been Preston Smith, and I feel like it's just because I haven't seen a lot in general. And last year it was just like every game. It was like the Smith brothers, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, oh, they're so great, and we love them. And now it's like, what What happened? I mean, obviously, they're still great players, but I feel like they're just a little quiet, you know, compared to what um, they were last season. And hopefully that doesn't, you know, last the whole year. Um, you know, as I'm saying this, he'll probably have a great game on Monday and make me eat my words, but it's fine. So that's who I would say for that. And then biggest surprise, even though he only played one game so far, was uh, Josiah DeGuara, like, he was amazing in week one and they really utilized him in so many different ways and he was a beast in the block game and I was really impressed with him and I know the coaching staff was really complimentary of him and what he's been able to do and I was bummed like when I saw he was um inactive in week two I was like dang like I really wanted to see more of him because I was so impressed and really surprised by his performance in week one so I'm hoping he's back um soon because I think you know, we talked about the tight ends before and what they were able to do, throw him in the mix. Um, there could really be something special there. Yeah, and I'll go. Uh, so my di- my disappointment, um, and it's just because, I mean, this past week he showed out a little bit more, which is good. 
as uh, Jay Sternberger. Um, you know, he had the he had the drops in the second game. I really and you know he had the kind of COVID stuff before the season, so that set him back a little bit. But I was really hoping that he was going to be a bigger part of the offense so far, and he just hasn't been. And I think I think we're going to see him more as the season goes on. I think my expectations were just a little too high uh, during the off season when I was kind of looking at him. But uh, so he's kind of my disappointment, and then my surprise, kind of the same thing as Sarah. With I mean, Degaro was great, but um, I'm going to go. We're only three games in. Uh, and so I'll go, you know, the guy that just had a really good game is Kingsley Kiki. You know, he had the, the two sacks, uh, you know, he had a, he had a pass defense. Like he looked, he looked good. You know, he's in his second year. He was kind of one of those guys last year that was, uh, he was not going to do anything last year, but maybe he shows something a little bit this year that he can kind of develop, put on a little bit of weight. And I know there was a lot of talk about him in the off season and just seeing what he did against the saints. Um, you know, he had that, that strip sack of breeze was on a really, really nice, um, kind of, you know, he kind of ran around Gary there, like the kind of the quickness and agility he showed on that. And then some of the strength on kind of a rip through move on, on his other sack was just some of the stuff he put on tape this past week was really, really exciting. So uh, I don't know if this is the guy he's going to be, if it was a one game blip and, you know, I don't know what we're going to see going forward, but if this, if this version or at least some, some, some version of this Kingsley Kiki we saw this past week is the guy uh, that, that we kind of would hope he was going to become, that's that'd be amazing. That'd be huge. So I think just watching him this past week uh, was was amazing to watch. Uh, okay, you guys all let off with disappointment, so I'll do that as well. I would say my biggest disappointment is in Matt Lafleur and his refusal to use uh, Dylan on fourth and goal and fourth and one yardage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really is disappointing to me. I really feel like that's something that. You have a 250-pound back that can fall forward for a yard. I think that's somebody you should use as opposed to the 180-pound back that uh, is getting stuffed at the line by a 300-pound dude. So, uh, But my actual, uh, my actual <laughs> disappointment is Darnell Savage. Um, you know, he was lights out the first couple of weeks, first year, and we were all really jacked, and he was making plays. And, you know, I remember that Bears game that first week, like he's breaking up plays, he's make, he's flying all over the field. And right now it's just – it doesn't feel like he's the game has slowed down for him. It feels like it's almost sped up, and he doesn't know where he's supposed to be, and he's not taking smart angles. And it's – I saw a comparison to HaHa Clinton Dix, and it kind of freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I get where it's coming from. I don't think it's that bad just yet, but it's still something to thoroughly continue to continually monitor because it, it's it's a little it's a little scary because I mean, haha, had this such that great first year and a half, two years, and then all of a sudden just fell off the table. So something that's that's been thoroughly disappointing. Um, biggest surprise, I would say. Whew, that's tough. I mean, there's been a lot of them, but uh, inside linebacker Chris Barnes, I mean, you guys know me. I've been <laughs> hammering an inside linebacker. I don't think he's fully the answer, but he's been really good. Like, for an undrafted free agent, he's played really well. You hope he can um, continually step up. I mean, he's not getting a lot of run right now, but, I mean, I think it was like 15 or 16 plays a game. But with a defense, that that's good for an undrafted free agent right out of the gates uh, year one. So he's making plays, uh, and hopefully he continues to do that. So that is something that I found uh, pretty cool, uh, pretty surprising. And then to end it, Matt wants to know, pizza rolls, do you put them in the oven, microwave, or air fryer? Sarah? 
Totino's or, you know, off-brand pizza rolls, are you a fan, first of all? Yeah, absolutely. I am a fan. And I want to um, bump your tweet from the other day about breakfast pizza while we're talking about this. Oh, yeah. needs to be a thing, and we should be talking about that more, but we can talk (laughs) about that another time. Anyways, pizza rolls, huge fan. Um, Personally, I use the oven. Um, you've heard good things about the air fryer, but I do not own one. So I would just go with the oven. I feel like that's the classic, um, way. And, um, I love them because I don't, I also do not have an air fryer. I was just going to kind of go with Sarah's. My option is oven or microwave. And if you're given those two options and you don't use the oven, then you're a moron. So, uh, you don't want like a soggy, soft pizza roll. You want a crispy, crunchy pizza roll. That's what you want. So uh, I would say um, oven all day. But Dusty actually owns the air fryer, so he's going to break this down for us and basically tell everybody that's listening, why, if you don't have one, why you need one. Yeah, if you don't have an air fryer, your street's behind, man. Like, it's it's incredible. We, uh, I did not have one for a while. The, I had a – we had for the Packers draft party – um, I went to a friend of mine's house and we had a socially distanced, uh, draft party with the, just, just a few of us and we're sitting outside and my brother brought his air fryer over and just two big bags of Tony's pizza rolls, which first of all, kind of overkill for three people, but you know, we got through it because we're professionals and we ate those sure. pizza rolls. Just a tremendous difference. Just, I mean, it was like, it was like eating, eating pizza rolls out of the air fryer was like the first time I heard the Beatles, like just absolutely <laughs> mind blowingly great. And then we ended up getting an air fryer. And now as many things as I can put in an air fryer, I will put an air fryer, bacon in an air fryer, bacon in an air fryer is so ridiculously good. So yeah, I mean, listen, Steve was right. If there's a choice between an oven and a microwave, you choose the oven, but if you have a choice between anything in an air fryer, when pizza rolls come into play, you do the air fryer. It makes a world of difference. Big, big fan. Yeah, I mean, I, just talking about this before we even recorded, I like I'm, I'm googling and checking stuff out on Amazon <laughs> as how cheap I can find an air fryer for. So, uh, but to jump back to Sarah's point, yeah, man, if you haven't had a breakfast pizza, holy God, do you need to? Um, you know, there's all sorts of varieties. A lot of frozen ones are out there uh, starting to pop up a little bit more. I know in Wisconsin, at least Palermo's has got a really good one. I've had. And this, this will be your point of contention. Like my kids normally, I've got a, a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and they will, they'll eat a little bit of pizza, you know, frozen pizza here and there, whatever. I, I got one from uh, the first one ever from Aldi, and we put it, I put it in for myself, and kids came over, you know, as they always do, take one bite, and my daughter's like, oh, can I, can I have a piece? And I just sat there like dumbfounded. I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's eating her own piece. Then my son comes over who is like a grazer and takes like one bite and leaves, takes one bite and leaves. And that's all he ever does. No, he wants his own piece. He sits down and eats it. And then my wife who notoriously hates frozen pizzas. Yeah. She had three slices. <laughs> so, I mean, it, they all vary. So it's either like, you know, like the sausage gravy or like a cheese sauce as opposed to a marinara. And then you've got scrambled eggs, bacon, sausage, uh, cheese, whatever you can think of, they put on. Oh man, they're just. It it's it's so my good. yeah, it's my new obsession. And anytime I go to any like grocery store, that's what I'm looking for. So, uh, you definitely, definitely need to check those those bad boys out. That is enough to wrap it up for us, guys. Um, so let's let's hit some closing thoughts. Dusty, what do you got uh, article wise for us? Got my got my three 
three happening every week, man. Um, so today, when you listen to this at uh, noon over at Packer Report, you'll be able to read about my favorite pressure of the week. I did two this week. I did the uh, Zadarius Smith strip sack of Taysom Hill. Huge, huge play in the game. Um, and just you know, tremendous play. Great play by Zadarius to knock that out and then also recover that. And then uh, the Kings of Kiki strip sack as well, which was a lot of fun. Um, really just... Rashawn Gary working as a just absolute wrecking ball on the edge to clear that space was a ton of fun to watch. And then at uh, four over on Cheesehead today, you'll be able to read the uh, the Passing Chronicles, which is my passing concept article that I do every week. So I'm looking at seven plays, breaking down different passing concepts. Um, I've got the the, th- the string of three plays to open up the second half that led in the 72-yard Lazard catch. Uh, and just just those plays, which is essentially the same concept three times with slightly different personnel, uh, was was a lot of fun to watch and just just kind of breaking that down. And then a few other plays there as well, including one I think I close on it. Um, that is uh, that this kind of seam vertical the Packers were trying to hit all year. They've not been able to hit because teams are playing for it or they're they're looking for it. Lafleur now has built in a little bit of thing in there to account for that to still get something underneath to still take advantage of that. So if that seam is not open, you've still got something else. To, so to kind of combat what defenses are doing. So just a little slight evolution of that concept just based on how defenses are playing them was really really exciting to see. And then on Friday at five. Um, I've got over on Packer Report, I typically do one play, and I dig into that one play uh, as as much as I can. This week I've got seven. Uh, and it's basically all of the, or a bunch of the uh, play-action bootleg stuff that I was talking about earlier that the Packers ran and kind of how they were able to kind of use that to open up some of that. And there's a lot of that kind of tight ends in the flat, and you're looking for that shot downfield, but you got tight ends in the flat, where a ton of that stuff came from, and it was super effective this past week. So it's one concept essentially seven times that I'm getting into on pack report on Friday. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, if you couldn't tell really, really excited about what I've seen uh, this past week and the past couple weeks. And so I, I get a chance to, to kind of write about that a little bit. So really, really, really fun week to watch the offense. Yeah. And for me, I, you know, I had my recap go up uh, late Sunday night. There will be another one, um, hopefully around the same time Monday night and not, um, much later than that. Fingers crossed, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've, a lot of you guys have been, you know, interacting with, you know, the halftime takeaways and the final um, takeaways, and I've been incorporating a few in my story each week. So thank you guys for that. Um, definitely be on the lookout for those tweets again on Monday. And then also wanted to give a little birthday shout out to Steve. So um, happy birthday, you Rob. Happy birthday, Steve. We love doing this with you, and hope you had a good day. Yeah, I think I had successfully made it the whole way through. I had skipped past all the birthday I parts of the that. questions. I, and... I wasn't going to let you do that. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. You guys both were very kind on Twitter and everybody listening and got lots of shout-outs from everybody and things like that. So it was very wonderful day. Like my went to work, did everything I need to do. Wife and kids got me some Packer masks uh, to wear, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um and then my wife's birthday's in five days, so instead of getting each other big presents, we're going to go to a COVID-safe uh, restaurant at some point as a little date for both of us. So as opposed to getting us a whole bunch of crap we don't need, we're just going to go spend some time together. So that'll be a That's lot awesome. of fun. Um, yeah, besides that, uh, just the kind of broken record of vote, get your absentee ballot, figure out how you need to do what you need to do it safely. Um, go out and, and make your voice heard. It's, it's a really important thing. 
Uh, wear a mask if you're in Wisconsin, if you're in the United States, if you're in the world, wear a mask because holy crap, Wisconsin is a hotbed of COVID right now. So mm-hmm. we are now the Florida of the North. Uh, not not a good thing, guys. That's not what we're <laughs> aiming for. So, yeah, comes down to it. Thank you again for all the birthday wishes. You guys are really cool. It's a lot of fun to uh, get all those kind of nice notes from all around the world and from you guys and Packers fans. And, uh, yeah. Vote, wear a mask, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week when the Packers are 4-0 after beating the Falcons. Yes, sir. Make sure, as always, follow us on Twitter, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher, 4, at Steve Perhatch, and at Packaday Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week. And as always, go Pack Go! class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.